0: Welcome to the show. It's Friday, so that means I'm out, and it's also hashtag FOF or F O F, friends on Fridays. This Friday we will broadcast John Zipper's week to week show. The program today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now here's week to week with John Zipper.
1: I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week to Week Politics program. You can find out more about Week to Week and all of the Commonwealth Club's many programs, including videos and audio, at CommonwealthClub.org. Now let's join this week's program. Well listen, welcome to Week to Week, the political roundtable from the Commonwealth Club of California from Monday, March 21st, 2016. This was the week, this was the day, in fact, in which Donald Trump bragged to APAC, the American-Israeli Political Action Committee, that his daughter is going to give birth to a Jewish child. That's, you kinda can't play that card with every uh, group you speak in front of, but he has. Listen, thank you for joining us here today in San Francisco. I'm John Zipper, your host for Week to Week, and the Vice President of Media and Editorial for the Commonwealth Club. On today's program, we are going to talk about violence and other occurrences on the presidential campaign trail. The University of California is handling of sexual harassment cases. The president's Supreme Court pick. And of course, other political news. As always, I I will know that the Commonwealth Club is a place of uh, people with a wide variety of views, sometimes within the same person. So any views that are expressed (laughs) up here are those solely of the speakers and not of the Commonwealth Club. (laughs) Now, let's meet our panelists for today. I'm going to start on the far end of the stage with Carla Marinucci. She's the genius behind the Politico California Playbook. And you can also catch her on Twitter at C Marinucci. Next to her is Daniel Borenstein, columnist and editorial writer for the Contra Costa Times and Oakland Tribune, soon to be the East Bay Times. Mm-hmm. And he's on Twitter at BorensteinDan. And next to me is Dr. James Taylor, director of African-American studies and professor of political science in the Department of Politics at University of San Francisco. And by the way, Dr. Taylor will be the moderator for our program on March 29th with writer Thomas Frank right here in San Francisco. So please ask questions. Uh, there should be some cards out there. If not, we'll be distributing some cards and pencils, and I will do my best to ask as many of those questions as possible now onto our roundtable. Uh, let's start where else with the Republicans. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of hand wringing and condemnation this week over some fighting associated with Donald Trump rallies. Um, James. Trump denies responsibility for the violence. Others, including many within his own party, blame him for inciting it. So what's your take on this?
2: There's no plausible deniability, I think, for Donald Trump. Um, We've seen again and again, uh, Rachel Maddow and others have done a really excellent job of painstakingly showing the pattern of his comments Mm -hmm. that have been provocative, Uh, not just the earlier insults towards different people and segments of the society, but actually at the campaigns, this last act where we saw this ex soldier or recent soldier, uh, the African-American gentleman just go buck wild, punching the gentleman with the red, white and blue shirt. Donald Trump was speaking as he was attacking him and he was saying, get him out of here, get him out of here. There's no plausible deniability. And it's stunning to me that he's even ser- is, that this is even that this what's mind blowing is after we've seen the violence, the media is still asking about the violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That they're still taking this man seriously after we've seen this if this was Jesse Jackson
3: mm-hmm. That's
2: right. this entire no every everyone in this room and everyone in this country would be fiercely offended but Donald Trump gets a pass on his behavior why I, I have a lot of ex, a lot of answers to that I think one because we're just very familiar with him I am? Uh, the, the you know Donald Trump is I grew up in New York I remember the Central Park jogger Event. And I remember Donald Trump made young men when I was younger, mm-hmm. scared to death uh, because he came up with this phenomenon and the media came up with Giuliani uh, of wilding. And they claimed that young African-Americans were going about committing this kind of uncontrolled violence. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it turned out to be untrue in the last six or seven years. The entire debacle was exposed. And Trump and Giuliani and the prosecutors in, in New York have all doubled down as if they did not create um, one of the great heinous crimes in American history akin to the Scottsboro Boys in 1935. That's what Donald Trump is party to. And people are still asking, where is his racism? I just heard him just now on the way in here telling Wolf Blitzer, I'm the least racist person, you know. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, you know, this is absurd at this point.
4: Mm -hmm. I I, I, have to say, I mean, I think the media is complicit in this. I I, I, I watch this every day. We watch it today. Trump gave a, about a 40 minute news conference there out in front of the old post office where he's changing that into a hotel. He really he really uh, d- d- didn't get any questions, no. any hard questions on this, even though you know his his manager there, Corey Lewandowski, is seen on video grabbing no. a protester uh, by the collar. I mean, th- this this just goes on and on and and. and no hard questions and a complete uh, pass when it comes to allowing him just full access to uh, to the airwaves for unlimited amounts of time. And whenever he has a press conference, I just don't get it.
1: So okay, Dan, it's question. up to you to defend Trump now. But,
3: but here's the real here's the question. We know this is how he's going to behave. We know this is who he is. The question is, do the protests help or hurt his cause? when they show up, you know, I I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who sort of when I hear that there were big protests showing up in his rally, I just feel like you're playing right into his hands. Uh, He
1: He wants it. He wants
3: it. bring it on is this is, you know, and and the best thing, maybe I'm wrong, but politically, it seems to me, especially now, the best thing they could do is ignore him. I'm really not convinced that the protests don't do anything but play right into his hands.
1: Because his supporters...
3: His supporters eat their stuff up. They just totally eat it up.
4: Yeah, I, I I don't know i I think it's a it's a good question uh and and Trump is using this he's saying you know these these black lives matter protesters are trying to block access to my rallies and so forth it's just ginning up the whole yeah. the whole yeah. issue and you know you look forward and you go is this what we're in for for the next you know, uh, until November. Yeah. This is what just, we're in
3: for until November. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just Yes. the uh, answer is yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, These kind of uh, angry, yeah. you know, the, this kind of violence. Um, uh, it, it's it's frightening. It's no, right. I,
2: I read an editorial today, and it suggested that the vi viol- an incident, a serious incident is predictable. Yes. And you, you rest assured they already have the 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 responses prepared for what if a happens, how we will respond And these sort of game models of what will happen. And I I really do think Donald Trump has taken this country at the national level of politics in places that Rachel Maddow said recently we've only seen at the local level. Mm -hmm. We've seen Huey Long right in Louisiana. Uh, We know Father Coughlin back in Indiana. I mean, Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the most recent uh, uh, installment. Um, of this of this tradition. Um, and I'm writing a book right now uh, on People's Temple, Jim Jones and California black politics. Uh, and so that might be interesting to people here in San Francisco. And as, as much as Donald Trump and, and Jim Jones have nothing to do with each other facially, the more I try to understand Jim Jones and the psychology that was at work here, the more I see that Donald Trump is doing the same thing to this country through the power of suggestion. Donald Trump keeps telling you he's great. He's amazing. We're going to be amazing. The wall's going to be amazing. No one's looked at this man's finances. Mitt Romney knows that there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump probably isn't even a billionaire. And we won't even know. Because he's lied to us about everything. What, what has Donald Trump not lied to us about? And I think when you begin to realize that, this man has played, uh, he's playing, I, I'm teaching over at Berkeley, teaching the class on minstrel performance. And Donald, <laughs> Donald Trump is performing a minstrel.
1: A minstrel specifically meaning what?
2: Meaning basically playing a, a, a role, a caricature um, uh, that has nothing to do with him directly, except his own psychological demons he might be trying to to exercise. But he's certainly trying to appeal to some red meat emotional issues, um, wedge issues in our
3: politics. James, coming back to what you mm-hmm. said though, about him gaming out mm-hmm. how to react. Mm-hmm. Didn't we really see that perfectly in Ch- at Chicago where he? canceled it. Yeah. I mean, that no, no event, canceled event, has ever gotten so much yeah. coverage, yeah. And, and, and has a has politician ever turned an event, a canceled event, yeah. into such a positive yeah. spin yeah. as mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he had it
2: perfectly gamed out. Yeah. Yeah. See, but I think Donald Trump's inexperience is going to show up. I'm one of the few people I've been consistently saying Donald Trump is not what, the, what he's being made out, of, out to be. Uh, again, Donald Trump is leading. He is not one. Uh, Ted Cruz has a clear a, a better pathway to the nomination than Bernie Sanders does with Hillary Clinton um, Ted Cruz has won eight states uh, I think nine now and and caucuses and in order to even be in the conversation with Trump to be a part of the debate to be a Part of the floor fight that everyone's predicting you had to win at least eight states and so Cruz is qualified Kasich is not even qualified to get in to be considered for nomination. And no one seems to have told him that he's focusing on 1237. <laughs> he should be focusing on eight, <laughs> eight. You have to win eight states first. Then you have then you have mm-hmm. to and you at a minimum to qualify to be a part of the floor fight
1: at the brokered convention. So please be clear, eight first and then you can talk about 1237. Well, isn't he actually hoping for, you know, the, the talk of we, uh, last week to week, we had uh, Melissa Kane give a presentation on they can change the rules right at the beginning yeah. of the of yeah. thing. And you have a lot of these delegates who are pledged formally to vote for Trump, but if they pass a rule, yeah. which those delegates get to vote on, saying, mm, you're freed. Um, case but of, can't they
2: go the other way and say, we now have superdelegates on the
1: fly? they yeah. th- That's the whole thing. They can make any rule, and as long as they can get people to vote yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how the whole eight state things came around, because yeah. they wanted to prevent Ron Paul yeah. from being, right. yeah, which was seems ridiculous because Ron Paul was a threat to know was not a threat to Mitt Romney. <laughs> Just
3: think about where, what we were thinking 10 months ago about how this would play out. It's rare that we ever have a presidential primary that plays out exactly as we expect. But boy, this one, I don't think
1: practically anyone got we, it. Right. We were expecting a uh, Clinton Bush matchup. Yeah. yeah. Jeb Bush. And That's we right. all, I mean, he, went nowhere. And then on this stage, I had successive panels. None of you folks, so I'm not blaming you, <laughs> who all said the Republican nominee is going to be Marco Rubio. Right. That's right. They were I think sure I was of one it. of those <laughs> liberal and conservative <laughs> panelists. They were all saying that. Yeah. I still thought last week
3: that despite everything else, Marco Rubio would stay in. Yeah, if for no too. other yeah. reason yeah. than to continue to yeah. split the vote. Yeah to ensure going to the floor. And I was I was really surprised. Yeah, okay, he's, he's thinking
2: more about his own career in 2020. He's I think. thinking more of his career. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: I thought, sure, that establishment Republicans would try and make sure he yeah. stayed in. Yeah. They, you know, they, I, it, I, the math I, doesn't I, you know, I think
4: yeah. one of the one of the things that's been interesting to me um, is just how the rest of the world, too, is viewing what we're what we're seeing. I uh, I just got back from Berlin where I did mm. a. Um, Um, a a symposium that the government sponsored on the American election. And I was uh, amazed that on a Friday night in Berlin, we had 500 people come out and came out. They are terrified about watching Donald Trump. And their questions to us are, what what is his worldview? What's what's his global? What are, what are his policies? What, what can we expect in terms of uh, uh, his, his international what did outlook? You tell him <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you've got me. We I mean, and, and of course, they're watching in Germany uh, where there's a rise of an anti-immigrant party alternatives for Germany party, which just won two out of three uh, local elections. There A real message to uh, Angela Merkel. I mean, so the, the Europe is watching the this election, and, and their, their question is: how is it that eight years after you all elected Barack Obama, and yeah. this was a transformation, yeah. that you've got this guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but, mean, yeah. but we've been <laughs> schizophrenic
2: like that before. I think Rick Perlstein's work-anyone uh, uh, familiar with Nixon land? He documents the way we had these pendulous swings between the landslide of 64 and then 66 with Nixon, you know, the midterm election mm. that goes back the other way, and then 68 gives us Nixon. You can look at Bush. You see Jimmy Carter. Let me start with Jimmy Carter. You start with Jimmy Carter and um, what was before Jimmy Carter was Richard Nixon and his scandals. Right. Mm -hmm, And then you mm -hmm. end up with the Baptist preacher as a consequence. Then you fast forward to George Bush, who comes right after Bill Clinton, who had these moral scandals around Monica Lewinsky and all of all of the stuff we know about. Um, And then what do we get the religious uh, evangelical as a kind of balance? So it would not be unprecedented in our recent politics for us to go from the first black president to someone who had a problem, got tongue twisted, renouncing the KKK. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, right. Yeah. That is what right. to in the 1930s.
4: Right. But remember, the Europeans are looking at this and saying, oh, wait a minute, we've seen this movie before. Berlusconi, a rich guy. You know, I'm I'm I, I can make deals. I know how to do this. Don't worry. You know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, make America great again is not too far from what Hitler. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, the, what what yeah. the, the, the you know, make Germany great again. I mean, they they are watching this in Europe with with chills. And I, and I couldn't believe the number of people who came out to to ask. I mean, really, is this the road America is going down? And And you don't you don't I mean, know what.
0: We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this.
4: You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find
0: out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say, I do. Especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW.
5: When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Simes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care.
0: Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com.
2: Yeah. See, I, I, have, I, have, I have faith, and, and I, I, sh- I, I shared this with them in the back room, and they didn't seem to be impressed with it, so I'll see if you guys like it even better. <laughs> I've been looking just sort of off the cuff at how many people voted in 2008, how many people voted in 2012 in the primaries only in the Republican primaries. And I think it was 18 million and 17 million respectively. And Obama won with 131 in 08 and 129 million in uh, 12. So look at the mathematical differences between that 18 and that 17 million and the 131 and the 129. Ultimately, that includes Republicans who also come out eventually for the general election. So what I'm saying is there's about 111, 110, 120 million more Americans who are going to have the final say that have had nothing to say so far. And a, I, I assume there's a wisdom in 129 million Americans going in a very different route than the original 18 million did.
3: Okay, James, so let me, let me, let me disagree. Put, so put a question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember Obama won in 2008? And do you remember how much pungentry there was That the electoral map in the United States has changed forever. (laughs) (laughs) That the Democrats, you know, will own this nation going forward. Texas is going blue. Texas is going blue, right, yeah. And I mean, how many times have we watched? Yeah, know, yeah. you know. So, and this so year we're I'm talking sure. about how mm.
4: angry white men are the, or yeah. you know, the, are yeah. going to be the center of the year. Boy, I some, feel like so it's like. back to the <laughs> future. That was 1996,
2: <laughs> and '92 was angry—the the year of the angry woman. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. We're, so we're so now back. we're into,
4: yeah. Now it's angry white men. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right.
1: Someone from hey. the audience. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go, ahead. No, go ahead. Someone in the audience asks: Is there any chance that Trump, if elected, would be moderated by talented advisors and the realities of congressional politics?
4: There's been some suggestion that you're going to see Trump already start to walk back, you know, some of these positions like the wall with Mexico. Well, maybe we don't have to build it all at once. Maybe we'll, we'll do this in installments. Maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or, uh, you know, the Muslim ban on Muslims. Well, he's already started walking. I mean, you are gonna you you will see him because he what is where's, where's this political center anyway. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I, yeah, he's
2: I, talking universal health care. I mean um, you know and being neutral with Israel which is really you know Hillary came out swinging at APAC today because of his neutral position and if you're on the left you're like well, I hate Donald Trump, but that sure sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, universal health care. I hate Donald Trump. He's the worst. He's Hitler. But Hitler's offering universal health care, you know. So so there are these things that Trump, because he has a moral core and no core, I guess, being a New Yorker. Again, I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I know, I'm a New Yorker. I, when I don't mean New Yorkers don't have a moral core, I don't want to become Ted Cruz. Um, but, you know, uh, but Donald Trump obviously is making appeal into the deep south. and And I'm asking someone again. I'm not. Inclined to automatically assume race first. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what is the connection between Donald Trump as a New Yorker, brash, and everything that is despised by Southerners and the deep Southern culture of New York and Northeasterners in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Donald Trump is not, Donald Trump, I mean, Mitt Romney, Michael Dukakis, um, you know, all of the Massachusetts people that have run for president, John Kerry have been rejected. It was a non starter when they made an appeal to the South. How is Donald Trump winning down there?
1: Well, do you think it, it, well, so for he, me, he is addressing then those those concerns of the? Well, I think the white
2: these world. people are really in distress economically. Yeah. They've been in distress for over 40 years. They've been in distress. Mm-hmm. Just because Donald Trump is their tribune doesn't mean that you know he's not akin to a broken clock you know, right twice a day.
3: He's not in a. He's he doesn't convey the Ivy League northeasterner, yeah, if yeah, you will. Yeah. he's 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 a. You know, he's Donald Trump is a is a unique character mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And mm-hmm. he's an entertainer. Mm. And that's that's part of it. You know, I mean, how do most people know about Donald Trump?
1: They saw him on television. Mm-hmm. How many they, of you have ever seen an episode of uh, what apprentice, is it? Apprentice? Celebrity Apprentice, apprentice. or whatever. What? Celebrity Apprentice. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: well,
1: and, and some, someone in the again in the audience asked, uh, Does the Democratic Party also bear responsibility for the rise of Trump in that they have not addressed those needs of those? I
2: I, I think in fairness and I'll try to be quick Mm -hmm. uh, that if you go back to the Reagan Democrats, Reagan's appeal, Nixon's appeal, I mean, the the unfortunate thing and LBJ made this clear is all you have to do is throw these people in a a crumb that they are better than the lowest person of color and they'll be satisfied with their low position. And they'll let you rob them, he says. Put their hand in their, they'll let you put their hands in their pockets as long as you tell the poorest white man he's better than the you know anything else out there. And I think that has always worked um, to the detriment of the working class white element in this country. What's the matter with Kansas, right? We look at yeah. that next week. Um, what's the matter with Oklahoma? That used to be the bastion of socialism in America. But but let's look Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, populism, progressivism. That was it, not New York and Chicago. It was Oklahoma was the reddest state in America for different reasons. And because of the sixties, the cultural impacts, the disentanglement around cultural feeling about belonging in America for many of these people began to feel unfamiliar and Um, We didn't nurture it in any way, we just assumed they would take care of it. Jerry Springer showed us that they were seriously, um, uh, he took them seriously, and I don't think we should laugh about that. Uh, Jerry Springer respects them and took them seriously because he understands it's easy to be leaders and look down on people in their predicament. Um, But uh, these people are, when you look at income, you look at jobs, the things that impacted minorities disproportionately are now impacting them powerfully. And And I think that's James. James, Let's
3: let's look at sort of the politics, and you know, because on the one hand I agree with you. On the other hand, there is sort of this political reality. It's easy to blame the Democrats, Mm -hmm. but on the other hand, the Democrats are a a common collage Mm -hmm. even themselves. And if you think about politically, what two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, Obama comes into office. Mm -hmm. He's got both houses. And he, he can barely put together health care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because his own party is splintered. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact of the matter is, Democrats, that, that included Southern Democrats mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. And the politics of it are still limiting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, and so it's easy to say the Democrats dropped the ball, but the reality is, for the last six years, they haven't had any control. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: I think I think you're Carla? seeing now um, on the Democratic side, uh, Hillary Clinton has now turned and pivoted toward Donald Trump. You saw that with the Apex speech yeah. that she did today. She was very tough on him saying, you know, this guy wants to negotiate everything. Some things are not negotiable. We've got to have a leader up up there who who we know has some kind of core principles. And I think this is where the the trauma comes in on the Democratic side now, because there is a lot of pressure or starting to be a lot of pressure on Bernie Sanders uh, to now turn uh, stop criticizing Hillary Clinton so much and to start putting that contrast with Donald Trump, because right now they've been uh, focusing on each other. Uh, And uh, Sanders at this point, look, he raised $12 million more than she did in the last month. Uh, But she she now has $30 million she's sitting on. He's got a lot less. Uh, And the fact is that that, that even Senator Boxer said today, look, uh, you know, the the writing is on the wall for Bernie Sanders. And that's creating it's it's kind of interesting to watch on the the Democratic side on Twitter. There's a lot of of um, anger among Sanders followers saying, wait a minute, not so fast. Uh, we're not we're not ready to go with Hillary yeah. Clinton yet.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to that Bernie's going to do much better coming west. Uh, The African-American vote Mm -hmm. and the minority vote is not significant um, in the West. And I said on KQED a couple of weeks ago that outside of the South, blacks will be different and will be less forgiving of Clinton, of the Clintons, for their impact on African-American life through war and drugs policies and welfare reform policies Mm -hmm. than blacks outside the South, like in Chicago or, you know, New York. They're not going to be forgiving. There's no automatic default Protestant orientation to forgive that you saw, for example, when there was the shooting in Charleston. There was before the day ended that family said, we forgive the shooter. That would not happen in Chicago or New York. There's a, whole There's a whole different priming through the migration process that shows a very differentiated African-American electorate. And blacks in the Midwest are very different than blacks in the South or in the Northeast. And anyone thinking that they're going to all fall in line um, don't understand the African-American voting, the electorate. They're very sophisticated. You have to remember, they first belonged to Hillary before they left her for Obama. They're going back to Hillary. It it took only a black person, a black candidate of exceptional ability like Barack Obama to even pull the African-American loyal votes away from the Clinton establishment. Mm -hmm. And now that he's off the scene, they're going right back to the default. And Bernie Sanders is up against that. And the millennials, obviously, are showing signs of supporting her a little bit, but also supporting him a little bit amongst African-Americans. But it seems to me that... um, You know, Bernie's up against a um, uphill battle, but but he can win the West, and if he wins these Western primaries, at the very least, it changes the conversation for Hillary going forward. It's not inevitable at this point, but again, but he's under
4: pressure. He's he's more and more under pressure. But these are all her friends. These
2: are, I mean, I look at there were like I I think Claire McCaskill, Barbara Boxer, um, I think four other women friends of hers that were colleagues and senators are like. Yo, Bernie, get out. Don't mess this up, you know, mm-hmm. by going too hard and on Hillary. Yeah. I think especially when he began to attach Rahm Emanuel to Hillary Clinton in Chicago, um, that's when they said, OK, this can get scary because if he continues this on, yeah, this can backfire on her.
1: I, I mean, uh, taking that into account, she's she, she still won Illinois, which is actually the, that Super Tuesday, the mini Super Tuesday state that I thought he if he was going to steal one, you know, a surprise mm-hmm. one like he did with well, Michigan, that's also that it would it came, be it came down to the end. Yeah, closer than any of the others. It, so. it was close, but except, except for Missouri. She, yeah. she did win it. Yeah. yeah, Missouri was the one that you yeah. know. It's, yeah. it, but she, Missouri, she but it's the big it. ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that said, uh, does he? I mean, what are his actual chances going forward? And just for the sake of argument, assume he's not going to be the nominee what does he want to do what can he do yeah, I think it, that's, it, you know is he making a VP play or does is he I mean he's really he genuinely cares about these issues because well, he want to write and this and now the, John
4: we're gonna see I mean look Bernie Sanders is here in California tomorrow uh, in San Diego giving a big rally uh, finally, it's come to California. Yay! I mean, this is like, when, when was the last time we actually <laughs> saw a presidential rally here in, in California? Uh, Hillary Clinton is here in the Bay Area this week. Uh, she's going to be fundraising here in uh, in Atherton and in in Los Angeles again. Maybe we'll get to see a rally with her also. (laughs) Um, But the fact is that now it comes to California and you're going to see you're already seeing on the Republican side, too. There's uh, the the all the uh, politics are going on in the Cruz campaign, in Trump campaign. uh, You know, I mean, and and Kasich who has Schwarzenegger with him and Steve Poisner, somebody that who, should put him over right. the top. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that should put him over the top. But the fact is that uh, it it California is gonna matter this time around. And particularly on the Republican side, it's gonna be fascinating yeah. to watch because you can see some of these Republicans freaking out at the possibility of what is this going to do to the down some of yeah. the down ballot races. So, and it's already
2: in trouble. Yeah. I mean, the Republicans, the Democrats have had the Republicans have had a 30-seat, you know, safe distance between them and the the Democrats, and now at least half those seats are in play, and they expect all 30 to be in play uh, by November, and they expect that the the Republicans are on the verge of losing control of everything except the state houses. Um, and Donald Trump has done for the Democrats what they could not have done for about three election cycles going forward. <laughs> no, really. That's really what happened. He has reduced the time that it would take Democrats to incrementally get back those 30 seats or compete for them. And in one or two election cycles, he's put it uh, in play.
0: We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. The Spotlight on Success and Achievement goes to LGBTQI members of the Bay Area who have demonstrated an incredible amount of success. We're very proud to announce that this month's Spotlight on Success and Achievement is Rick Welts.
6: Well, it's been an unbelievable stretch of time, obviously. Uh, Everything the Warriors have gone through this season, really a magical season that ended in a championship. uh, and now to, to top it off a week later with the opportunity to participate in the Pride Parade in San Francisco, it's a, it's a pretty wonderful time. You know, it's been a journey, right? We're all on our own personal journeys, and uh, the last four years has been a remarkable part of my life. But it, it's definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, the decisions I made four years ago to come out in the way that I did, obviously you know, I had decided I was signing up for something going forward and being part of the discussion. Uh, and you know I welcome that and this is uh, you know for me a real honor to, to be participating in this way and I guess in, in some ways it, it will be a demonstration of how far professional sports has come in, in a very short period of time uh, not as far as our society has come so I think we have a lot to celebrate. Wow I, I don't think I have any secrets I don't think I'm that mysterious you know I've got a, a pretty simple life I like pretty simple things uh, You know, I've I've got a great partner, his name's Todd Gage. Uh, He has two wonderful children, a 14-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy. I I, uh, got off the parade route, got into a car with them, we drove to Lake Tahoe, and I got to watch 14-year-old girls play four soccer games over the course of the weekend and then drive back to the Bay Area. So that's my idea of an exciting weekend, you know, spending it with the kids and my partner and getting to do, you know, the most basic things that any family would get to do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement, presented by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far.
3: I want to talk to you about this the day after Election Day in November mm-hmm. and see how close that turns yeah. the out. The
4: question today. is, though, will, I, will he fire up the—will he fire up— uh, enough of his voters as we know these the Republican turnout in some of these states is way higher than it on the Democratic yeah. side uh, it, There's been some suggestion that here in California He may turn out enough people to even affect the Senate contest get it get a Republican into that top two primary mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not clear whether that's going to happen or not because I think that will be offset by the Latino yeah. vote here in California oh. I've already heard uh, uh, some Latino voters tell me, look, I remember having that button that said deport Pete Wilson back when I was a yeah. kid. Now my daughter has the button that says, you yeah. know, dump Trump. Well, um, there, look, there are know. two
3: effects, though. Yeah, there's the effect in June in, in California, if you will. And, and in in June, this has the effect of really reshaping some districts in terms of top two that were districts where you might have assumed it was going to be two democrats going to november Mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm. like that and so so there are and and the senate race perhaps being the biggest one but then there's a whole different calculus of what happens then come november and there's a whole different calculus of what happens come november nationwide right Right. Uh, i'm not convinced i'll be very surprised if the democrats Manage to take back the house. Mm. I'll be mm-hmm. I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that that would take. Yeah, it would, would take, take Donald it. Trump. That would take. <laughs> well, it would take a real implosion of Donald Trump. because <laughs> we're, we're we're seeing it. But we're but watching we, it. But remember the House seats. The House seats are district by district, right. and so, so, and they're so gerrymandered. Anyhow, the the, the one, there, there aren't, are there really enough competitive yeah. Yeah. seats yeah. where that yeah. makes a difference about, to swing it? There are about
2: fifteen that are, and then there are another fifteen that they are, they, are, they yeah. are assuming if Trump goes forward. He could put those in play, but certainly right now the the, the Democrats are not complaining about Donald Trump. Yeah, he's doing uh, a, a good but deal But would of you harm. agree that it's a long shot that they take back the House? It's a long shot. I okay. Agree. okay, I agree. Okay. I do okay. with that. But okay. um, you know, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I do but think the Senate
4: that looks better. The
1: Senate looks better, and the I think not, look, yeah. yeah. But the Senate looked better from yeah. the get-go, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Well, now this really shows what type of a an election year this is. I got a question from someone who who is talking about how. You know, you talk about where, you know, the media is talking too much about Trump and that's all you're talking about. We actually shifted to talk about the Democrats and we still end up talking about Donald (laughs) Trump. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're addicts. We know we have a problem and uh, we are working through this. Uh, Someone asked, how would Ted Cruz do against Hillary Clinton compared to how Trump would do against her? Uh, Would that change any of these dynamics about, for example, the the down ticket uh, uh, harm? that some Republicans are worried about.
4: Uh, you know, I, th- 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 keeping
1: in mind that yeah. Ted Cruz is despised by every other yeah. Republican yeah. In, in the yeah. Senate. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. Yeah. I mean,
4: yeah, I, I, I think Ted Cruz would be even more of a disaster really? yeah. uh, uh, for the Republicans yeah. Uh, yeah. because I, he
2: really I mean. believes what he he believes.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: a true believer, and I think Robert Rice has tried to make that clear. Yeah, but Trump may not be since be serious.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it, it, that's it, it, it's it's so interesting i I will say I know Ted Cruz here in California has a ground game going has it has uh, a, an organization going so it, it is going to be interesting to watch. Um. Uh, uh, Trump has no has no organization, really. No. And remember that the the general election requires uh, a lot of ground game and a lot of organization, very expensive. And is he willing to put up that money? Who is going to put up that money? If
2: you just like just look at Trump, just go, you know, Republican 2016, Republican primary campaign and just look at the money aspect, you'll be shocked that Trump doesn't have a lot of money, that he has about a million dollars in his account. That he he loaned, I think, 27 or 28 million to the campaign. But my point is, there are people like um, uh, Carson. What's the name? Uh, Carson? Uh, ben Carson. Ben, ben Carson. Carson. I can't ben believe <laughs> I forgot his name already. Ben Carson. Ben Carson. Ben Carson has more money on file right now than Donald Trump's campaign <laughs> does. You know, Donald Trump. But he doesn't need the money. Because the... And, and why, though? I would because argue because, because free the free
3: media. national media is running the, the campaign free for him. The media is... Is, he doesn't is, have to pay for he the TV have time to pay for yeah. it
2: right he gets it right and no, we agree I mean he's, the TV time he's being given a pass on and it's unfair to these other candidates who are having to put out millions and millions of dollars, even jeb Bush, I mean I think he put out about 130 I guess, million right. dollars yeah. Yeah. And he got a little bit more than than me. You yeah,
1: know, yeah. I, was, I was speaking with a couple of our uh, audience members before the program about, uh, you know, the, the Koch brothers and, and their network have been talking about raising nearly a billion dollars to try to influence this this campaign in, in the favor of Republicans and. They might see a blowout uh, on the presidential level. They might see a loss of the Senate. Um, it does at least say there are limits to the uh, Citizens United World, isn't there?
4: Yeah. Yeah. We, we have yet to see. And I think the other interesting aspect of it is, is there going to be some kind of third party? Uh,
1: Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I
4: heard I heard yeah. Rick Perry being interviewed today and just refusing to to be pinned down as to whether he could possibly uh, be uh, be drafted at the convention. Um, fully possible. He doesn't know. I <laughs> mean, they there. There's names okay, being thrown but, but, around. Condoleezza but, but, Rice. But, 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 I mean, they're, they're, the Republicans are Carly. are there's like a emergency freak out. It's, going it's on. not <laughs> so much being drafted I
3: mean, at the convention, though. But let's let's talk about. You know the, the, this third-party or third candidate, yeah, really, because yeah. it's still the same party, if you yeah. will, right? Scenario is kind of disturbing uh, uh, how this would play out. You uh, know, this this notion that you know if you could just grab a few, a couple of big states, then you throw it to the house. I mean. It, it, this and, and explain
1: what that actually means. When okay, into the house. You're talking about the Electoral College. Yes. Yeah, the, like, yeah. So who is voting then on the next president? Well, of
3: the well as I understand it. you correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. 12th Amendment, right? You you, you 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 get one vote per state and. You know, this is a really sort of different. And it's amongst the top four. Is it right mm-hmm. that you get to pick? Mm-hmm. And so this. If, if somebody could get in and, in, and grab, a, grab one or two state, key states such that nobody gets a majority of the electoral college, remember Clinton won mm-hmm. with a majority, with a plurality mm-hmm. of the popular vote, but a majority right. of the electoral college, um, then it goes in the House. So what you really need is a Ross Perot who could actually win a state, a big state. Right. And or two and have a close race between the rest. It, you know, now, of course, the question, you know, I've been thinking this. I mean, you, the, yeah, the yeah.
4: what the, the dilemma here, I think, for Republicans, some of these principled Republicans and I, I, I Luis Alvarado, a Latino strategist. I was on this panel with him in Berlin, said he's a Republican strategist, said, I will not. There is no way I I cannot support Donald Trump. Uh, there are Republicans out there who say, based on his uh, on, on his uh, um, philosophies and and what he's already espoused, there is no way I'm going to support him. Uh, and yet, you you see, the rest of these candidates uh, have said uh, he's a fraud, uh, he's a joke. But yeah, we'll support the if he's if he's the nominee, we support, we'll support him. Yeah. How how does the party come out ahead there?
2: I and, mean, and see, party as a political scientist, party uh, unity is probably the, the best predictor of electoral victory every four years in the national elections. Party unity, however you define that, um, is probably the best, uh, you know, sort of signal as to which party will win. Um, and I guess if you sort of do a survey of going back to 64, um, look at which parties were the most divided in their primary processes and look at the, out, the outcome. I'm not saying this is a law or a rule, but a, a tendency and a, a pattern. Um, and right now, I've been sort of you know, as a, even as a political scientist off the cuff saying that the Republicans are in, in, in for a landslide of, of trouble in November because it doesn't require a lot of po- political education to figure this out. It's, it's pretty clear that one party is in turmoil. It's pretty clear that another party has two plausible uh, alternatives from the old school uh, DNC and the new school DLC possibilities. That's th- th- the Democrats fight is ideological within themselves. The Republicans, you've got about four or five different strains mm-hmm. of, of, yeah, of orientations and how to reconcile those in uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm being very serious. He, he thinks he can he can mend this. And I, I don't know if he I don't, I'm not I'm saying I don't know. I, I don't know who they have in their ranks equivalent to a Barack Obama. And this is what I'm suggesting to you. I'm saying that Barack Obama is the X factor for the Democrats, like Mariano Rivera, as an old Yankee fan, like Mariano Rivera was for the Yankees reliably. I think Barack Obama comes in in the ninth inning against Donald Trump and with Bill Clinton and the two of them just work Trump and both of their egos are as big as Trump's. And Obama still has the office that is bigger than Trump. And they will deliver in a way that um, that I think uh, will the republicans just don't have an equivalent if the republicans had an equivalent to barack obama in terms of stature and status and respect in the in the leadership of the of, of the party we wouldn't have donald trump right we, this we front. would have seen that he's proof that that they have no one that can stop him. The Democrats have Barack Obama and we've seen him handle Trump at the media uh, party where he clowned him for about an hour and a half (laughs) and and gave him a new name, practically. Um, And 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 Obama won that night. And I do think with Trump, I mean, with Obama and Bill Clinton on the scene, if Bill is healthy and energetic, uh, Trump is in the Republicans are in
1: real serious trouble. I'm going to leap at that chance to talk about Democrats again. Um, I actually, we we we're going to talk about very briefly because uh, we've got other stuff to talk about too. Uh, vice presidential picks, and someone in the audience was kind enough to share with us the the Irish betting odds on Democratic presidential candidates. <laughs> good. So, uh, Julian Castro, mm-hmm. three to one. Yeah. Tim Kaine, three to one. Elizabeth Warren, seven to one. Tom Perez, seven to one. So. Um, no Deval Patrick's? No. Not on this list, at least. The Irish don't like them, I guess.
0: We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family.
5: G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, let's actually move on. Um... Well, I Meanwhile,
4: well, who would be Trump's uh, uh, vice presidential? <laughs>
2: well, he but, talked about Cruz. T- they mentioned it uh, uh, on the way here. Wolf Blitzer asked Cruz, would he be willing? And Cruz was angry, he said no way. But Donald Trump said, you never know. This is politics. Anything could happen.
1: Donald Trump is not going to have. He's going to say, I can do both jobs.
2: <laughs> no,
1: He actually mentioned today
2: that he was thinking about opening up a hotel in Havana already. <laughs>
1: um, wow. This is a topic that cannot in any way come back to refer to Donald Trump, and that is the University of California, sex Mm -hmm. harassment cases. Uh, The UC has been under the microscope for its treatment of sexual harassment accusations, I can't speak, accusations, excuse me, against faculty and staff. Carlo, what's going on? what are we well,
4: isn't it ironic that the motto of the University of California is "Fiat Lux," let there be light? But <laughs> but uh, there's been nothing but uh, but uh, darkness and uh, obfuscation, I think, on this whole issue. Uh, the, the the headlines for the University of California this month have just been not good at all on a couple of different levels. One was the dean of the uh, Law Berkeley School. Law School, uh, Sujit Chaudhary. Uh, who resigned, uh, you know, and, he, and but remains a member of the faculty uh, after being uh, accused of uh, sexual harassment. This is the second uh, time, second prominent faculty member uh, accused in the last year. There's been a number of stories about how the university has been all over the board in terms of the way they've handled yeah. the cases of some of this, yeah. these prominent. No,
2: I, I teach there right now.
4: Sexual um, harassment. I, I, you know, what, no,
2: I'm, t- I'm teaching there right yeah. now. And uh, there's a a one young man who's been accused. And throughout the campus, his pictures are everywhere. And with it was a statement against the university for taking Determine action against this individual and his pictures are everywhere around the campus with you know The Mm -hmm. statement that the university has failed and this young man still walks around the campus They identify a specific young woman that he allegedly targeted and continues to be around campus where she is and they haven't so I don't have tenure over there so they can do what they want with me (laughs) (laughs) But I do have tenure at USF so they can't do anything
1: (laughs) Well, what so what what is who, who who's? To blame, I mean, is, does UC President Janet Napolitano, does she have actually, a grasp of this? Actually, or she...
3: Napolitano has been the one sort of voice of sanity to a certain extent in all of this. Doing? In that she has said, this has got to stop. If If there's a problem it it lies with dirks and his administration yeah. and the administration you see they they've totally botched this yeah. from from start to finish yeah and it yeah, just seems it's, like it's, it, the really a- a academic
4: stars are given a pass yeah. on this we've seen this before um and, and and this wasn't the only sort of headline uc headline this month uh, we had the uc davis chancellor uh who you know uh had apologized for her Moonlighting activities. And I mean, this was amazing because, you know, she not only earns four hundred twenty four thousand a year as a chancellor, but then she's accepting a seventy thousand dollar a year position with DeVry education, which, you know, being investigated by the feds uh and that uh, and, and as well get, t- getting all kinds of stock options and other things from from a textbook uh, manufacturers uh in this case napolitano kind of gave her a pass and said well you know she's done yeah. a lot of other good things th- th- this was uh, disappointing. But, you know a lot of legislators are like excuse me but uh when was she exactly devoting time to uc davis when she was getting all this other uh it, this kind of a, this kind of moonlining would never be acceptable yeah. in the private sector yeah. but somehow uh, yeah. uh she yeah. she got a pass on that so uh, i think uh, you know the so, legislators looking at this yeah. and uh th- there, there's a lot of scrutiny i think on uc right now and i think Napolitano's is getting
1: well she's saying okay this this enough of this Is she changing the rules or is she saying adhere to the rules? She's trying
3: she she, Napolitano is trying to force the campuses to enforce the rules they should have been doing. And she has stepped in weekend before last and uh, and really lowered the boom. Of course, the very next day, Monday, We find out that the assistant coach for the basketball team has a sexual harassment is being fired for sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. And you read the report and it's very disturbing. And what's more disturbing is then the athletic department turns around because there's the second issue, which is did Coach Martin know about this? and fail to report it in a timely manner. And that's a little bit of a he said, she said between the victim and him as to what she actually told him early on. But there's another investigation into this. And, of course, the athletic department's reaction is, we, you know, we're going to have this investigation and we're confident it will exonerate Coach Martin. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't this a little bit doesn't this sort of undermine the whole purpose of having an investigation. If you're going to declare the victor, so to speak, yeah. going into it? Um, yeah. in Russia. it, it was it, it was very disappointing. Yeah. It, it, the day after or the Monday after Napolitano had said, we're going to clean this up. You know, because after the, the yeah. law school dean fiasco. Yeah,
4: and he remains a member of the faculty. And
3: he remains so. a member. So, you know, we have, the, we have this reaction on the other front. It's, it's,
2: and, and, it just, and see, this is why I think, to bring it back to, to, to elections, I, I think, like, my, no, 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 I don't mean in any, any negative way. Um, in 2008 and 2012. What does Donald Trump have yeah, to no, do? No, 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 no.
1: Ble- he will be the best chance. Right. In 2008
2: and 2012, the African-American vote the African American vote outperformed every other group in the country twice and no one expected it
1: in percentage in the... terms
2: of the number of people who could vote that actually did okay. their percentage blacks outperformed everybody nationally twice for the first time in American history Nate Silva detected it in 12 everybody else seems to have missed it for the most part
3: mm-hmm.
2: but what most people don't realize is underneath was the I think resentment around the voter ID laws in places like Virginia Pennsylvania um, Ohio uh, North Carolina And, you know, for someone like me, my mother's 90 years old and was born in 1925 and escaped the South uh, to get away. Um, And then to imagine that before she leaves this earth, she will be rendered invisible again, was just unacceptable. And I think what most Americans and pollsters did not detect was the black resentment for these voter IDs in 2008, 2012. And I'm using that as an analogy to say without, without trying to be condescending towards women, these issues that you talk about, I think women are just sitting back waiting for their turn to vote. I'm not talking about these primaries where you have the most committed. But I think the the the, the independents and the neutrals, Mm -hmm. I think when this vote comes out in November, women are going to have the final say, as they did in 96. The 96 election was called the Corvair mom uh, election. They thought it was going to be Volvo moms, but it was lower white (laughs) class, working class women, Corvair moms who are still in play right now. And I I really do think um, that, you know, this is all in play right now. So going forward. Mm
1: hmm. Well, let's move on to our next topic, then. And that is, again, nothing that rhymes with Trump. Uh, it's the Supreme Court. Uh, of course, we all know Antonin Scalia passed away. Uh, the Republican senators came out and said, no way, no how. Uh-uh, we're not going to even meet anyone you, you put forward. President Obama puts forward uh, Merrick uh, uh, Garland and uh, they're still saying no way, no ha. Uh, there are some cracks there. Uh, did Obama call their bluff? Are they calling his bluff? Is this? Are they just putting this guy through the meat grinder? Because he is, by all things that I've read, a very nice and very accomplished and very smart guy who is probably still going to be a, a non Supreme Court judge in, in January.
4: It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how much heat the Republicans will take. The polls are showing two thirds of Americans believe that he should be given some kind of a hearing here. Uh, uh, just about everyone agrees he's one of the most um, qualified men uh, uh, to be put up for this uh, position in maybe a generation. Uh, you know, uh, and people like Orrin Hatch and so forth have spoken so highly of him. Uh, the the question is, McConnell has said no way. I'm not even going to meet with you. I. I I think we're, we have yet to see how this is going to play out. Well, the, the, the question is,
3: doesn't matter in the electoral framework. And meaning, do
1: people vote on
3: this? Do, do people you? vote on this? And I, I think the answer is that the, bo- the two extremes do vote on this. Mm-hmm. The two, two sides, and but I'm not sure whether it's going to matter to the swing voters. Enough, okay. enough. You know, McConnell's probably doing a calculation that he needs to hang on to his base more than, and that the the swing voters aren't going to care that much. Whether he's right or wrong remains to be seen. But, but you know, the polls say, yeah, most people want a vote, but are they going to vote their presidential ticket based on that? Based on that, yeah. and. I'm not convinced they're going to.
1: So if, if that's the case, yeah. is this a good choice, a good pick? Or could he have picked anyone? I mean, you might remember the... Uh, no, it's a good pick. It it's a good pick.
3: Yeah. Because, because if, he, if he picks a... If he doesn't pick a centrist jurist, then that becomes the issue. He's neutral. Any hope of using this for, for as a, a political wedge if you will, to get it through or at least to bolster, to change turnout in November is undermined. If he
1: picks another Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so he, if t- you he took the opposite. Okay. You yeah. might you're all familiar yeah. with The Onion. They had a headline that Obama compiles shortlist of gay, transsexual <laughs> abortion doctors to replace Scalia. <laughs> <laughs> like everything that would annoy the Republican. What, senators.
4: What it would be interesting to watch if if Hillary Clinton is elected. Uh, whether there'll be some kind of lame duck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah McConnell
2: well, and, already says that if Obama nominates someone now and that person's a holdover into if Hillary or the Democrat wins, mm. he said he still will not hear that person that Obama nominated. Yeah. So, and, uh, again, so they're going again, get again, again yeah. I keep saying like Obama recently, I have faith in the American people. I, I have to believe the American people. There's a collective wisdom in the American people that will rise to the occasion to deal with Trump and, and these other issues. If not, then I guess that tells us where we are.
1: Our president is overseas, but like very close by. He's in <laughs> he's in Cuba. Um, what have you thought about? So did, did you see his press conference? Did, did anyone see the press conference he had <laughs> with Raul Castro?
2: Yeah, this is going to be a famous gesture from now on. Yeah, that going to be called the
1: Obama Castro. going <laughs> to, people to, at to see arms. people they don't like. They're going to do like this across the club
2: <laughs> <laughs> or see somebody at an office.
1: Meaning I'm not really feeling you. Yes. What do you think about President Obama forcing Castro for the first time ever (laughs) to take some questions from press? And he did not want to. Castro did Mm -hmm. not want to. If you if you uh, get a chance to watch the video clip of it. I mean, it'd be like, you know, getting a six year old to eat liver or something.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, I went to Cuba uh, 35 years ago and and i remember we at that time i mean when I, I i watched it today and it's just amazing because at that time cubans were afraid absolutely afraid to talk to anybody uh they they immediately started speaking to you in russian because they assumed that you were russian you had to sneak in through mexico and of course you couldn't you know admit that you had been there uh and to see what's going on today is just it's just amazing and to watch that press conference was amazing uh, it, how, how some of these Republicans, you know, the, the Marco Rubios and the Ted Cruz of the world who, who, who wanted to put the Thanks two. Thanks so much for tuning in today. In for more
0: on us and other programs or podcasts you might have missed, you can head to michellemiao.com. See you all next week.